This is the Christian Circle Podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. So hello, welcome to a new episode of the Christian Circle Podcast. This is our new podcast episode for the year 2021. And so I want to wish everybody Happy New Year. We have a new guest who's actually going to talk about um, St. Elizabeth and Satan. Now this is a saint who many people consider the saint of new beginnings and because 2021 is looking to be a year where we hope to start many new things and uh, shed away the old from everything that happened in 2020 we hope that saint elizabeth and satan will be kind of like a beacon of hope for all the people listening so we have miss catherine o'donnell who actually wrote a book about saint elizabeth and satan's life and um catherine tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry I'm a historian and I'm a professor at Arizona State University. Um, so my scholarly life occurs through research and teaching. Um, but as I worked on the book about Elizabeth Seton or Mother Seton, as her followers um, call her, I had the great privilege of working with um, sisters and daughters of charity who have spent their lives kind of enacting the, the ministry of Elizabeth Seton. So for those who don't know, and I myself was relatively new to Mother Seton and her work. So for those who don't know who she is, uh, tell us a little bit about Saint Seton. I would love to. Um, she is an American. She was born in Manhattan um, right before the American Revolution. And she had a, a difficult childhood. Um, her mother died during the war. Um, her father was actually a physician in the British Army. Um, and after the war, her father was kind of having to regain his position in society because he was on the wrong side. And she had a, a young stepmother who had trouble nurturing her, really. Um, so she grew up kind of feeling a little bit out of place in her own home with her father and her stepmother. Um, but she married quite young, 19, mm -hmm. and she bore five children. And all this time, I should say, she was not a Catholic. Um, mm -hmm. She was a Protestant and not particularly church going. And then as her husband's health failed and his business failed, um, they lost all of their money and much of their social standing. She turned more to Christianity for support. Um, and then to kind of make a long and complicated and dramatic story short, she and her husband and their daughter ended up going to Italy in this really desperate effort to save his life and his business. He died very soon after. She was introduced to Catholicism and decided to convert to that religion then. Um, and then the rest of her life where she founded the Sisters of Charity, which was a benevolent organization, and she became a spiritual leader, all of that flowed out of that really unexpected decision that she made in her 20s to convert to Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And from what I've read, her, I mean, I would consider her life very difficult in the sense that she loses her mother at a young age, at three, she loses uh, her husband, she loses two daughters, her stepmother kind of abandons her, and then, uh, you know, all these upheavals. So what are the difficulties? I mean, how difficult was this? In, in her writing, she must have mentioned how difficult her life was. Yeah, that's such an important question. 
Um, and she she does, she wrote throughout her life. So I was able to read through it, just a huge number of letters and journals mm-hmm. and so forth. So she um, feels all of these losses acutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also loses um, just young sisters-in-law that she was very close to. Mm-hmm. Her particular kind of Christianity alienated her family for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and she suffers so much from it that she actually tries to will herself to love people less Mm-hmm. or at least to kind of love people within reason mm-hmm. <laughs> just because she, she can't bear the thought of of more loss mm-hmm. um and she also knows financial hardship she had been quite well placed and then her husband um goes bankrupt um when she started the community they moved into a house that was unfinished and literally there's snow sifting in through the eaves so she knows physical hardship as well mm-hmm. and what's so kind of interesting to me and moving to me is that she doesn't let those losses harden her she doesn't give in to her desire to feel less Mm-hmm. Um, her own sense of what it is to struggle and to feel alone and even to struggle in her prayer life, which she does, um, all of that makes her more compassionate toward other people. It makes her, her gentler. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, she makes those sufferings and trials really a part of um, her, her charismatic um, Christianity that she has to offer. Okay. And so with even with all these difficulties, like she's, um, you know, she's moving uh, from one home to another when, uh, like starting when her, when her father marries again, when her father moves to England, um, then when she gets married and they have to uh, move from one house, taking all her, her husband's siblings, they move to Italy, she comes back to New York, then she goes to um, another state altogether to start her ministry. Did she ever mention in her writings what gave her the strength to to endure all this and start all over again and again and again? Early in her life, she she tried detachment. She tried thinking, well, suffering suffering doesn't matter, so I almost might as well be unhappy. Happy, <laughs> I'll just live through it. Um, from from her twenties and certainly through to the end of her life, it was her. Christian faith mm-hmm. um, that gave her strength. So on the one hand, a sense that this world is not my home, mm-hmm. um, that her 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 true um, welcome would lie in the afterlife, um, and also the sense that there there must be some purpose to what she was living through. Mm-hmm. And it was never, uh, oh, I'm sure it's actually good that these terrible things are happening, right? It was mm-hmm. never something sort of simple like that. But it was, I can't see the fullness of what is going on here. And whatever the sufferings are, I will do my best to um, be virtuous and pious and to lead others toward um toward God as well. So, but she's, she's also clear um, in some of her private writings 
that that she really did struggle and even struggled with feeling that she could be mother seen. So mm -hmm. she knew that others were turning to her and it's really quite striking to see that in her letters. Mm -hmm. She'll be feeling very uncertain, but then when you read what other people are seeing in her, they see this serene, confident mm -hmm. figure. Um, but she was quite direct that she almost felt like she was play acting sometimes, mm -hmm. that she really wasn't the person that other people thought she was. She wasn't that strong. Um, but in order to keep the community going, in order to fulfill what she understood to be her duty, she enacted that role until she felt that she truly inhabited it, it more, which she did by the last, say, five or six years of her life. It was remarkable. And the last thing I'll say, I know I'm rambling a bit. I kept having to remind myself when I was writing this that, oh my goodness, she's 25 now. Mm. Or, oh my goodness, she's still only 31 or 32. Mm. Because so much would have happened to her. She would have so many responsibilities. And mm. I would just think of her as a sort of middle-aged matron and she <laughs> would still be a, a very young woman. Mm. So who was she actually writing to? Oh, she had correspondence throughout her life. Um, she had a very close friend, Julia Scott, and Julia was interesting because Julia was not particularly um, interested in Elizabeth's Christian faith, mm -hmm. and she was not deferential at all to Elizabeth Seton, even as Seton became more known. Um, but she loved Elizabeth, and she brought out the humor in her, and Elizabeth Seton would confide in Julia mm -hmm. some of the doubts or frustrations that she wouldn't confide in other people because mm -hmm. Julia was this lifelong woman friend that she had, and she didn't have any sort of performance to keep up with Julia. Mm -hmm. But she also corresponded with her children. Um, she corresponded with other um, members of the Sisters of Charity, which she founded as they started missions in Philadelphia and in New York. And she had more, long correspondences with um, clergymen, too, with um, ministers, or as Catholics would call them, priests. And um, with some of these, she, she had a real spiritual collaboration. So it wasn't simply the priest directing her and how to behave or how to think at all. It was a real back and forth, and it's evident that the ministers would sometimes turn to her for, for guidance mm -hmm. as well. And sometimes she was just writing to herself, so she kept journals at various points um, in her life where she had this interesting habit at one point of writing something that she pretended was a letter, but she never sent it, and mm -hmm. it's clear she was never going to send it, so really it was a diary. Mm -hmm. um, so for an historian, you know, she's just a marvel, <laughs> because <laughs> you can find out so much about her through these writings. Mm -hmm. So wh what strengths do you see, or even weaknesses do you see from uh, Mother Seton's writings in her life? Yeah, to start to start with the weaknesses, which you know might seem sort of arrogant to me, because of course she's been sainted, but everyone has weaknesses. Mm -hmm. um, she was prone to sharp judgments, mm -hmm. um, so she was very analytical and um, a good observer, mm -hmm. right? And that's in its way a strength. Mm -hmm. But it did lead her to be very critical of people, mm -hmm. um, and she struggled with that with that throughout her life, right? Her desire to make other people better. Um, kind of ward with her desire to be a compassionate person. Mm. 
Um, right at the time of her conversion, too, I find her a little difficult to like, um, which I struggled with. You want to you want to like the person you're writing about. Um, but right at the time of her conversion, she really felt that she had found the true answer and there was kind of one true answer. And she needed to tell other people what the true way to be a Christian was. Um, and it's just a little bit overbearing. And in fact, it was not particularly effective. It, it alienated her family. And she she set it aside pretty quickly. You know, she decided later in her life that she would just live out her Christianity in a way that she hoped would make others want to share it with her, but she would not try to tell people exactly how to believe. Um, so I think she kind of converted that um, weakness into a strength. And then a, a great, great strength um, is her a desire to connect with others and to connect with them as they are. So she did a lot of teaching in her life, both formal teaching of school children and mm -hmm. informal spiritual direction. Mm -hmm. And in every case, she was not just simply delivering a, a generic lesson, she would think about who the person was, the student or the adult, mm -hmm. whether they needed to be criticized, whether they needed confidence, um, whether, you know, just just how she could sort of get inside their mind and heart in a respectful way. And it's just uh, wonderful to watch. And you see it not only in her efforts, but you see it in the, right, in the way other people wrote about her and wrote about her even when they were not writing to her, right? Mm -hmm. So they're not trying to prove anything to her. They're not flattering her. They'll be writing to someone else. I've never known someone who seemed to see me and respond to, to me as myself mm. in the way that Elizabeth Seaton did. And I think that that's just a, a tremendous um, strength of hers and useful now when people live such different lives and they mm. have such different purposes and mm. priorities to, to be able to accept who other people are is, is a gift. Mm. So what else uh, do, do other people say about uh, Mother Seaton? One is her confidence. Uh, and and two is that she could direct other people, could give them advice, they could turn to her. Uh, what other things have people said about Mother Seaton? Yeah, I love I love to hear how how other people think about her. Um, so she is of particular interest to a couple of groups, um, and. One group is w women who just have a lot of things to balance in their lives. Mm -hmm. Some of them see Seton as a, a kindred spirit. So Seton um, was a, a, a widow, which, which made her a single mother. Mm -hmm. And she was a mother not only to her own five children, but she had also had to take on responsibility for the young half-siblings of her late husband, mm -hmm. um, which was another like five or six children. Uh, there, there were actually 10 of them, but only five or six of them were of an age where she had to care for them. And she was a career woman in a way. Mm -hmm. So founding the Sisters of Charity, making that work, she had to balance her responsibilities to her own children and then her responsibilities to her spiritual life and her responsibilities to her working life as Mother Seton. <laughs> so, um, so as people, and it's not just women who juggle a lot of things, but I, I think something in her experience maybe particularly speaks to women. Mm -hmm. Another group of people that I have heard speak very movingly about Seton um, to me are people who have either converted or just simply um, entered, wanted to enter into uh, a more intense form of Christianity. Mm -hmm. 
um, because she was not particularly interested in institutional religion when she was younger, and then she was an Episcopalian, and then she was a Catholic. Um, and she she tried out different things. She experimented um, in a way that maybe a more traditional saint might not have because they might have lived their whole life within one faith world. Um, and she also really struggled. So it, it's not particularly that she doubted God's existence at any point, um, but she absolutely felt like her prayer life would be very dry or she was not behaving or feeling in the ways that she wanted to. And people find that really reassuring that here's a saint, you know, here's somebody who's certified as a kind of spiritual virtuoso. And this, this person became exasperated with their prayer. This person doubted how to be a good Christian. And this person struggled over what to believe and whether to share it and under what terms to share it. Um, so, so that also is something in her that speaks to the experience of, I think, of a lot of modern people. Mm -hmm. Since she's been through grief, has, and, and I know a lot of people at this time are grieving for, you know, uh, through this pandemic. What does she have to say about grief since she's lost, I think she lost two daughters as well, uh, and her husband when she was just 29. So what does she say about grief in her writing, if she ever does? She does. Um, she writes, and one of the clearest uh, bits of her writing is to this friend Julia, whom I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. who, who lost a daughter in childbirth. And when Elizabeth writes to her, she says, this is going to take a really long time. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not going to feel like you can communicate, you're not going to feel like you can come out of it. Um, and that is just to be expected. And just know that I love you, that whatever you you need, let people try to give that to you. And don't feel as if you have to explain yourself or you have to work through anything quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And she was just always willing because as you said she'd had these terrible experiences herself to just be present mm -hmm. and live through people's really desperate unhappiness and grief with them and to to know that that is a season of life um it is as much a part of love as she sees it as 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 happiness um, and she, she also absolutely found and offered a specifically Christian comfort, which is that their, the earthly relationships are, are, are not the only dimension in which love exists. So there is an afterlife, there is the dimension of God's love, which she came increasing to believe we couldn't understand, right? It was not a one-to-one -one correspondence, um, but it absolutely offered to her and she hoped to others a reassurance that death was was not 
the end. Mm. Um, but one of the most kind of beautiful things about her ministry, and certainly when I've been in the presence of people who are influenced by her, is that there there aren't simple answers. There's not a there's not a time frame. There's not a cheerful oh this was this was for the best. Mm. It's just a sort of acceptance mm. of of sorrow and a belief that there is a meaning to it, even if we don't understand what that meaning is, and that there will be solace, um, if not in this dimension, then then in another realm. So Elizabeth died when she was 46, and uh, she was canonized later. What has her her legacy been? I mean, now in in the present day and age, the legacy of um, Mother Seton. Yeah. So the um, kind of organization and the religious community that she founded, the Sisters and Daughters of Charity, um, ended up founding hundreds of schools and orphanages, Mm -hmm. um, some in connection with the French Daughters of Charity, but some on their own. So it had a very practical legacy Mm -hmm. of helping um, children and also some adults who are experiencing poverty or homelessness. Um, and there are fewer sisters now because very few people um, enter Catholic ministry, um, mm-hmm. either as priests or as nuns or sisters now. M- many of them are elderly. But the ones that there are, I must say, are still working, are still, for example, helping refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also, they use the money that was built up over the centuries to, to finance um, a range of activities, none of which are exclusively directed toward Catholics. It's become much more sort of generally Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another part of her of her legacy is is a legacy of compassionate Christianity um, and um, a kind of open-hearted engagement with people of a variety of faith traditions and purposes, all of whom um, want to live with compassion and also want to live within um, a, a Christian a Christian spirit. So she's um, an appropriate sort of matriarch um, for, for that for that moment because because she was an experimenter and, and mm-hmm. she um, she did believe that people found, found their own found their own ways toward toward virtue and um, and even toward, uh, toward faith. And then the other thing that I love about her and that I, I like people to think about her is that she, she is, she did, she did change her mind. You know, mm-hmm. she, she did learn new things. She changed her mind about what was correct, about what relationships to have, about how to share her faith. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard, mm-hmm. especially for people who do believe in something very deeply to, mm-hmm. to change your mind about some of the technicalities of it or what it means to other people is mm-hmm. really grueling and challenging. And, mm-hmm. and part of her legacy, I think, is, is showing a, a, gracious, a gracious way of, of, of doing that. And it's almost amazing to think that one woman did all of this work by herself, right? It is, and uh, I mean the 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 women who chose to sort of follow her, right, and become sisters and daughters. Um, they see it as their word would be providential. Mm-hmm. Um, so that um, you know, as they as they see it, there had to be working of of, of the spirit mm-hmm. in order for this to to be possible. And it's certainly clear too that there she she had to develop all of these relationships. 
So she inspired others mm. and inspired others, right? So it's <laughs> I mean, each one, each one, I suppose, is something particularly insightful in what I'm saying. But the power of the human infrastructure that she created, which is made out of relationships mm. um, and relationships that extended not only across huge expanses of space, but also huge expanses of time. Mm. You know, we're talking two centuries. It's mm. actually the... Um, January is the um, 200th anniversary of her death, yeah. um, is, is really remarkable. And it is through that fabric that, um, that so much was, was accomplished. Absolutely. So since you were writing, and you obviously must have spent a lot of time reading her work and then writing about her, uh, how did she influence you in, in, in any way? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I don't want to suggest that she influenced me as much as one would hope. Um, uh, but certainly, I, I mean, I honestly do think about how she would respond in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. So my work, you know, I work in a university and um, there's, there's sort of a higher purpose to a university, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of daily aggravations and mm-hmm. frictions as there is in any workplace. Mm-hmm. And I will often think, okay, um, Elizabeth Seton, who you are not, Catherine, but Elizabeth <laughs> Seton would not have gotten caught up in this particular email battle, right? She would have thought, oh, I have known this person for five years or I hope to know this person for a long time. What is the fullness of, of, of relationship that I can have? Is it collapsed into this one bit of frustration? Clearly not. Um, and with my own students too, and, and I have thought of this a lot, particularly during mm-hmm. the pandemic, as people have just been struggling and we've been distanced, um, I think, well, she would have spent that extra five minutes with that student to, to ask, why have you not turned this essay in? Or, um, you know, is your Zoom camera off um, because of the bandwidth issues? Is everything is everything okay? I don't mean to pry, but do you need anything? And I think that before I spent so much time with her letters and journals, I would have thought, well, the professional thing to do is, is keep a distance. And mm-hmm. it's still important not to be intrusive, mm-hmm. but that human connection and just giving someone the opportunity to tell you mm-hmm. that yes, they would they would like to talk to you about something, or yes, they they might want to sit and cry for a moment. <laughs> Um, or maybe they have something that they're proud of that has absolutely nothing to do with my history class, but they would love to be able to tell another person about it. Giving people the opportunity to, to, to share in those ways is purely, purely something that I gained from, from this research. And I'm extremely grateful for it because it has really enriched my, um, my life. It's made me live in a, in a richer world of relationships. Um, than I I would have otherwise. Okay. So thank you so much, um, Catherine, for talking to us about uh, Mother Seton. And I would Elizabeth Seton, The American Saint by Catherine O'Donnell. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Can people find you anywhere online? Um, always delighted to hear from people um and i can be reached at my email which is through arizona state university and it's just c-o-d-o-n-n 
E-L-L at ASU.edu. Okay, great. And are you on social media? Um, oh, yeah. And actually, my press <laughs> made me go on Twitter. So I do. I am on Twitter, although, yeah. So that, um, so yes. So it's almost the same. It's C O'Donnell in I N and then A Z. So basically, C O'Donnell in Arizona, but C O'Donnell in A Z is my Twitter handle. Yeah. So thank you so much, Catherine, for spending time with us and talking to us about Mother Satan. And uh, I wish you a very happy new year. Thank you. You too, Pamela, and your listeners.